and my volume like a this like a this like a like a an Italian man in a fruit star. No, that's Scottish. Scottish. I can't do accents. <laughs> just, just can't do them. Well, I can't do intended accents. <laughs> I can do accents, but not of the one that I'm trying to do. No. <laughs> it, it never comes out the way I want it. <laughs> if I just did them without introducing them, it'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, I got a bit of a um, spicy topic here to kick us off, just just for our little opening banter. Are you drinking straight scotch? Yeah. It's oh. basically all I've got. Very classy. Japanese. Japanese? Japanese? I don't think I've had a Japanese scotch. What? What do you mean, what? It's Japanese whiskey. Very... Well, either way. Well, obviously not a Japanese scotch. Fucking idiot. Uh, got a bit of a deep and probing question here. When it comes to getting a Band-Aid, do you have a strong preference? Like, would you go for the plasticky one or would you go for a fabric? And what about the like the little you know how they got new sort of fangled fingertip ones with like the little loopy arms to catch around like the end because cat traditionally like putting a a band aid on the end of the fingertips being kind of a a challenging proposition but they've they've technologyed that now and you can get your fingertip ones I just I don't know where, where do you stand do you go for a big one I'm going to be perfectly honest and and say that I'm a little out of the loop when it comes to uh-huh. The plaster world. Would you, if you had a, a choice, um, if you're staring at the shelves, would you go plastic, for the brand, the Band-Aid brand? Do you stick to the one you no. know? No, you wouldn't. You're elastoplast. No. I'd go for like a blue because I want someone, you know how they do like the skin colored ones? Yeah, yeah. When I've got a Band-Aid on, I want people to know. They only do the white skin colored, by the way. Yes, that's true. Well, that that we've seen. Maybe in other countries they don't. No, it's it's a but, common criticism, but yeah. Is it? Yeah. So you're right. You're right on. You know. I, I pay attention um, in the Band-Aid world. The Band-Aid Times. <laughs> I read the Gazette. <laughs> yeah. The Plastette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just go for something blue. So you blue. go blue to sort of... I think that's kind of... It actually shows, yeah, it's, it's illicit con- sympathy. It's consistent with your personality, which is A, I want to be different. I want people to notice me. And B, I want people to feel sorry for me. <laughs> so you've you got. You know what sucks? You know what sucks? When I make a joke at myself and I feel like I've beat, I've bitten you to the punch. So it's all good. Yeah. But then, but then you just, you just elaborate on what I no, said. No, all I did was agree like, it with the work. thing that you said. It doesn't work. That, that, that advice of like, if you make fun, if you laugh at yourself, then people won't laugh at you. That who's doesn't tell- apply to me. Who's told that you that? Pl- uh, Jim from the office. <laughs> True, one of the uh, the wisest men of our times. <laughs> that is my favorite scene. I re- I think in the whole of the U.S. office, where my- Michael realizes that if he makes fun of himself, uh, people will go easier on him, and then he just takes it too far. And he starts like really criticizing himself, and then he goes down this this rabbit hole of self criticism, and then just loses. <laughs> and he's like, "Nope, too far." Thanks a lot, Jim. That is my favorite moment in the office. I honestly don't remember much of the office. I could genuinely rewatch that, and 
probably only remember like f- six episodes of it. Yeah. There's I, I so just got, many episodes I, of that show. There's so many episodes. They, I just got Stan, so I've got, I'm kind of like, when I've stuck for something to watch, I've got all of Parks and Recreation. Nice. All of The Office. Uh, all of Community. Yeah. All of Friends. You're basically set. It's pretty good for dozing off viewing, like when I don't want to actually watch anything. And I'm just like, if I. But I need some noise to fill the vacuum. Yeah. Well, this has been another another thing recently because uh, my friend Casper said to me the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was telling him that when I so when I when I have a shower, I usually have a podcast going on in the shower. But before I do that. Podcast in the shower, best thing ever. As in, put it on your phone on the bench next to the shower? Yeah, so you put it on the bench next to the shower, and if you get it at the right angle next to the plot part on the wall, it kind of like amplifies it. Okay. Genius. And so I have that going, but I also like to have in the other room, in the living room, I like to have like the news going. Like I'll like on my Chromecast, I'll have like a CNN ticker thing going, uh-huh. so that I can go from room to room, and there's always something different playing in each room. <laughs> it's actually one of Emma's. Uh, she just like really, really hates it, and this is how it came up in conversation. And then Casper was like, "Oh, you um, you can't be alone with your own thoughts." That's what that's what his armchair um, diagnosis was, and. Yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think I can't be aligned with my own thoughts? Because I just always... Or do you think it's like ADD? Or am I just like wanting to learn every second that I can? Maybe it's that. Dude, someone say something. Someone say something. Nicholas? See you then? CNN. <laughs> hey Siri, CNN, CNN right now. Um, I'm I I'm surprised that you well a risk your phone in such a damp environment where you're like like what? Sure, take your phone into the bathroom. You know, have a shit, look at the news. Fair enough. Having it on when the steam and everything's like brewing in the place. I don't know that you know. A bit of a risk. Um, I never thought about that. CNN, though, like being able to bounce from room to room and never have a moment of silence and also hearing potentially multiple sound sources <laughs> at the same time in the house, that would drive me insane. I'm with um, with Emma here. I haven't, I haven't even gotten to... Sometimes I'll have Spotify. At the same the time. Room. Spotify in the weird room, podcast in the bathroom, CNN in the living room. At the same time. I never have to think. (laughs) And I never feel alone. (laughs) I never feel alone. Maybe it does have something to do with that. Welcome to Deep Four, everybody. What an exciting and opportune moment to welcome you into our warm embrace. If you've been feeling like you needed some noise in the background we're here to be that noise the deep forward experience sitting through the internet with me this week michael say hi mike hi guys and my name's nick hi nick hi how you doing not not too bad apart from the aforementioned 
computer meltdown. Loneliness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fine. Um, you can always just go out and speak to people, I guess. You're, I you're, you're a person who me. makes friends at the shops. I do. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling, um, well, it's a, it's, it's a low risk situation. Whenever you've got someone like at the checkout, like you're, you're there to be there and for a few seconds and then leave. You might as well fuck with it. You might as well have a little fun with <laughs> no, it. No, fucking with it isn't making friends. <laughs> How are you fucking with people at checkouts? I always fuck with people at checkouts. Do you go to the same supermarket? Uh, sometimes. So have you ever bumped into someone that you fucked with previously? Yeah. Okay. I fuck with people twice. You'll do a double fuck. I'll fuck twice. I'll spit roast you. <laughs> Don't say I'll that. I'll spit roast a conversation. <laughs> it's not spit roast. Metaphorically. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a conversational spit roast. Um, how have you fucked with people at the checkout? Just, um, mm, you know, when people just ask you how you are, just say not good, just say not great, and then tell them and then just lie <laughs> and say, like, really sh- horrible shit. But would you do it, like, and then very what? specifically? Like, yeah. would you go, like... It has to be really specific. Jeannie told me that her leg was not going to have to be amputated, but now I've got to spend $15,000 to get rid of the the tumour. And I don't have $15,000 worth of tumour money. <laughs> Jeannie knows this. Why would Jeannie ask me if she knows that I don't have tumour money? Yeah, I'd say shit like that, but I'd say, like, a Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, you take it to a next level. Yeah. Low you know risk. that even though, this is the, the sad thing, but I'm, I'm saying it as a way to try and dissuade you from doing it. Uh, you know that you were n- none of what you come out with is going to be the more the most uncomfortable or the weirdest stuff that they've dealt with that day. So I know. why bother? You're never going to get Because it makes place. me laugh. I will do anything You don't deserve to be laugh. happy. That's very true. It's very self-entitled. Jordan Peterson would tell you to fuck off. Um, I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, th- I to some people, I think sometimes you get someone that finds it funny and you kind of make their day. But it's like a lot of carnage lying in your wake <laughs> up until that point. It is <laughs> a lot of fallen disaster. soldiers for a for one guy <laughs> that's got the same kind of sense of humor as you. <laughs> Uh, deep fakes. Deep fakes. The closest we've ever got in topic to the name of our podcast. <laughs> Bit trivia. Um, cool. Deep fakes. Yeah. Put that in our um, Wikipedia. Um, do you know much about? Them? Do you want to give a summary of Not the concept? S- okay, I'll give you my I'll give you my layman's summary of it, and then cool. you give real facts. <laughs> but, <laughs> the deep which experience. is basically the essence of this <laughs> dude this looks legit this looks legit yeah you, my setup right now looks setup. legit Hell you are legit set up right now i look good dude i look good you know what i keep saying dude still wearing your papa it. top haven't taken it off i keep saying dude and in my head i'm doing it ironically but i'm saying it so much that now it's just Muscle memory, and now I'm now I just look like a guy that says "dude" unironically. 
that's how you become accidentally racist as well. When you mimic True. racism too much and then you just come out with the stuff where it's like, oh no, I've accidentally started believing this. Now this yeah. is who I am. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm too too old to change. <laughs> yeah, you're in your 30s now. Give me the uh, the Michael Zabrecki version of... Um, so deep fakes are, are, a, are a somewhat recent um, kind of internet kind of thing, phenomenon, where the technology is getting really good and they are able to very realistically create uh, famous people often political or, you know, influential people saying things that they are not actually saying. And that's creating a lot of, a lot of dilemmas uh, for people, um, such as uh, people who are on Facebook, uh, such as people who are following a particular political candidate. Cause uh, you know, what's, what's, uh, how, how are we going to know if, if, who we are seemingly trusting are actually saying the things that they are saying if it's all up in the air. If it's so realistic, how do we know? How do we know, Nick? That's a very good summary. I don't need to add many effects to that at all. I'm I'm totally, you know, lock it and load it. Let's fire that information into the internet. Um, Yeah, the only thing I'd add is that deepfake is... Uh, artificial intelligence it's machine learning it's uh taking existing images and composing them and and like combining them to create things that didn't occur um so you can get uh steve buscemi giving jennifer lawrence's acceptance speech or you can get nick fake nick um cage um superimposed into movies that he wasn't in um or uh more uh unsettlingly you can uh like people have been using it for celebrity uh porn videos or revenge porn where you could create a a unflattering video of someone that you want to smear or tarnish and release it out there um because it's the end result is near indistinguishable from reality so as you say the question that we're now facing as a society is how do you tell what is true if you can no longer trust the content of what it is you're looking at, mm. um, you know, class classically, you could believe your eyes, you know, you, you have, you have to see it to believe it. The whole, the whole prism of our cultural understanding of truth and reality was through the, through what we saw, what we felt, what we experienced. But if you can't, if you literally can't trust your eyes, if you can't believe that the thing that you're seeing is happening, then you start to enter some very weird philosophical and factual places. Um, yeah. That's kind of scary. Kind of scary. Um, it, when you said the porn thing just then, it just I just remembered something from my adolescence. And it was when, I guess it was like the first deep fake, uh, or the kind of the first sort of stuff when I was like, well, uh, I'm just going to say it now, like I'm a grown man. I was looking up for naked pictures of, of women. And on the internet. So that there's naked pictures of women on the internet. Yeah, and I was trying to find them. Wow, okay. Good um, to know. And I was looking for, um, like, celebrities and stuff. Because you've got a bit of a relationship with them already. It feels better, you know? <laughs> okay. And I was like... Sure. And I saw, like, a, a, a image of, like, 
I can't remember who I would have been into at the time, but like Demi Moore or something. And it would have been like a... a, a, a <laughs> Demi Moore. A superimposed uh, like head of the actress or whoever it was. Uh, with like a body that wasn't theirs, but it was really, it was really well done. And yeah. I remember thinking, I know this isn't fake, but you know, I'm it isn't gonna, real. You mean I'm gonna have my way with it anyway? Because <laughs> it's you know, it's fiction. Anyway, and so, I, I suppose so that I suppose the um, the distinct thing there is though that you knew it wasn't real. Um, it was distinguishable that it was an artificial product. Um, yeah. And with technology getting to the levels that it have, that it has, and um, the the strength and I mean the exponential growth in artificial intelligence that we're you know on the cusp of, it is it is going to be legitimately the case that we're no longer going to be able to tell necessarily whether something was real or not, um, and uh, that's kind of. That's kind of a crazy place to end up with, and, and there's there's a whole bunch of political fa- facets here that we can get into because you've you've got the angle of the um, kind of the propaganda Lucy. side of things, where you know if Fox News is effectively a propaganda wing for um, Donald Trump and is and is spitting out a reality which is not based on the objective truth of um, the rest of journalism. Well, well what happens if now those news sources can potentially doctor images or receive doctored images or run on political yeah. stories which didn't actually occur. Um, that That's <laughs> super problematic. You've got the... Um, uh, uh, like, how do you verify... How do you verify... technology's that good, how are you going to verify that shit? Yeah. And when, the, it's, the, when it's visual. Yeah. I mean, we're already at a place now where uh, cinema contains CGI in just about every frame. And, and for the most part, you won't notice it because it's so good. Um, you know, Tom Cruise has a CGI face in every film that he's in. But that, what you know, Tom Cruise gets CGI work done on his face. To look like what? To look younger. To look like more Tom. To look more like Tom Cruise. <laughs> to look like Tom Cruise from fifteen years ago. Look more Tom Cruisey, Tom Cruise. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, he just he <laughs> just doesn't want to age. Yeah. So as um, far as I can tell, he's not. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why they do it. Um, yeah. So uh, if we're at a point where cinema's already indistinguishable with that stuff um then uh uh yeah when you transfer that out of a industry which is kind of known as fiction and and put it into different places that's crazy in an uh you know outside of the fact that you could actually uh stitch together words and speeches and put them in the mouths of um of people and and get politicians saying things they didn't say um it's it, yeah it's i suppose um as a starting point do you have any uh let, let's approach it from this angle which is a little bit obtuse to begin with because one of the other issues of our time is is the um the regulation of what you can say and do on the internet um facebook um whether or not it, it 
should correct knowingly false information um, or let people have their free speech. That's kind of the thing. So um, uh, broadly speaking, do you think that there should be some degree of regulation on on a platform like that, which has billions of users? That's a big question. Um, I think it should be done on a case-by-case basis because I think having blanket rules for that type of thing, you're going to run into trouble because there's obviously... Well, there was that recent one where someone put out like a, a video of Nancy Pelosi slurring to make her seem drunk. Yeah. Um, and then people were calling for that to... for Facebook to remove that content because they thought it was... Um, what did they think? It was harmful to. Uh, well, it was it was actively her, her image malicious. Yeah, actively malicious. But then now someone's dominant of um, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, but that that was slightly different because the um, the drunk videos. I think they were edited to make her look stammering, and that sort of thing, uh, which. <laughs> Like Donald Trump tweeted that video, uh, but uh, like that, I think that was not a case so much of deep fake as it was manipulation or, or, or like skilled edit work. Um, but Look, that, that's, I think um, if Donald Trump didn't tweet that video, then I don't think it needs to be taken down. But I think the fact that so you he think is doing it, that's you think that because there's a platform, I don't, I don't understand that argument. Why? Does I think it, if we didn't have a, why is it not applicable? Well, it's, it's, at, it's weak. Uh, why is it not applicable at a small scale? If it's applicable at the at the Donald Trump level, it should be. Yeah, you're right. I think it just makes it makes it harder. If you've got a president like Donald Trump that's uh, using it, it, it makes it seem... I don't think... It, first of all, I don't think anyone would... I don't think people would care about it as much. That's what I meant to say. Totally. Um, but I, I suppose that's uh, that's part of the, um, the controversy of the 2016 election and everything leading up to it as well was the, the Cambridge Analytica thing where they were able to micro-target certain messages to certain demographics and populations at a scale that didn't ever really bubble to the surface and get people's attention, but which was potentially persuasive. So it, it is mm. it is an interesting kind of dilemma because how 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 small is, is too small to de- deserve attention if it's still problematic i i i'm not saying i disagree with you that i think they will always start with the big popular items first and vet those because the impact that they have is obviously much bigger but is there a bottom tier to at what point you can like i don't think either of us would necessarily think that facebook should jump into someone's um, facebook post and you know put a little bar underneath saying vaccinations do not cause autism you know, uh, I I assume that's where the line of free speech um, prevails, right? Or do you think that mm. if someone puts anti-vax sentiment, that the platform does have a um, responsibility to stop that from being displayed to as many people? 
even if they don't correct it should mm-hmm. they should they de-emphasize it in other people's feeds my my gut is to, to my gut is no because uh, i need to think about this for a second i'm just gonna think of it here for a second yeah you just take a moment i'll um bum 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 my gut is to say that it's not facebook's responsibility i don't think they have a responsibility to to do that to do which to uh tell people what is true and what is not in the context of an individual's facebook post well, I mean, they've already done it with Alex Jones and stuff, didn't they? They deplatformed him for this for this basically the same reasons that they thought he was. Well, they thought he was spreading. Yeah, this is so tough, dude. Yes, yeah, so back to the vaccinations. Anti-vaxxers are a tough one because it's 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 actually. It's, it's actively harmful because you re- require a certain degree of um, herd immunity for a disease to remain uh, eradicated or on the you know on the fringes. But but why why would it be their job? I mean their their job is they they should like with Twitter as well. They should exercise. They should exercise. Um, ethical measures to ensure that to ensure the safety uh, and um, reduce harm of their followers or the people that use their platform but at the end of the day it is a it is just a platform for people to communicate and i think if you if facebook or twitter start to regulate content in that in that way even if even if it's widely accepted that anti-vaxxers are morons, and that's harm, and then that's harmful message. That's a harmful message to put out into the world. Facebook and a lot of these uh, tech corporations, they have they have a they have a maybe they don't have a political agenda, but they they have a political bias, and I think that's a slippery slope, and that's dangerous. Because then, then if you allow, well, they're they're private enterprises, so they can do whatever the fuck they want. But if if pe- if the people allow them to do that, then it, I think it's a slippery slope to allowing fa- to allowing Facebook's p- politics to creep in to their service. Which what politics and do you then they Facebook could, to have? Well, I think they would be left leaning and liberal. So they but would. Um, what, what do you? So maybe they they would they would. Um, well, I think there there was like there was like a, it was a story, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? That they that their algorithm was favoring. What? what how are you? How are you interpreting? Okay. Their algorithm. Their algorithm was favoring. Right. So you're talking about the 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 newsfeed content that it that it puts forward, not the organization itself. No, but I, I but I I was talking about the organization as well. 
Dude, I might just so need to switch off Joe Rogan, to be honest. I might be listening to way too much Joe Rogan, to be honest. Because <laughs> that's just like um, in my head. You, but I, I do think, I, like, I do remember something like that coming up that they were, they were there, there, actively... There was, there, there was uh, let me tra- see if I can find the, um, this, the thing. I mean, it doesn't even really matter if, if, if the Facebook was actively uh, blocking right-wing um, content because for the purpose of this conversation, uh, if Facebook does have a political bent at all as an organization, then what I'm saying is that could creep into the way that they regulate content on their platform. Yeah, that, that's a valid point. Um, I, th- I, I can't find it offhand because uh, I'm in the middle of a podcast and I'm not going to spend time Googling it. I believe that there were there was a news article at some point um, discussing, I think it might've been Twitter, maybe not Facebook. I think, I think the takeaway was that uh, if these platforms were to enforce the degree of, um, so uh, it might've been Facebook now that I say it, because you know how Facebook now has a little I button on any um, link that you share in your feed to a, a website or whatever. It'll it'll show you the relative um, media assessment of the media body that has been linked. So you can click on it and it'll be like, oh, Washington Post, this is a, you know, well-respected centrist newspaper. And oh, New York Times, it's, oh, it's a right-leaning, um, but, you know, one of the best newspapers blah 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 and i think that has been one of their implementation details for how they manage the repu- reputability reputation repu- i don't know of um the content that gets um spread through facebook because facebook can churn a lot of shit from um one person's timeline to another person's timeline which is not very accurate so that was one of the introductions and i think some of the criticism had come out that they should be more active in stopping the bullshit like say anti-vaxxers stuff coming out and effectively um they had said that if they were to enforce their standards as they are actively written it would remove a whole swathe of the rights content because it's not based on facts or reality and the same, I think, for Twitter, they were saying yeah. if we were to enforce the Twitter codes of conduct and remove some of the behaviours that are technically on our policies as being um, uh, illicit or, or not part of our terms of service, we would be removing <laughs> like right-wing politicians disproportionately by the nature of the interactions that that right. political bloc use the service for. Um, so I think that, that there is some truth there in in the fact that it's imbalanced in uh, in the way that it potentially quote unquote targets different content on the service. But I think that's not so much a reflection of bias. So I'm I'm open to hearing that argument, as it is so much a reflection on the manner in which the content is created, written, sourced, and then the conversation that goes around it, which is either civil or uncivil. Um, but would you, would you, would you, would you say that Facebook appears to you to be neutral? No, I, I think, I think that 
they're in this very it's that's a, a very strange company because it is so heavily led by one man Zuckerberg and his belief system and slight sociopathy or I mean that's unfair but his his uh priorities still drive that company and I think he's a very strange <laughs> neoliberal billionaire who's convinced himself that his platform is agnostic right when it's not agnostic um and the refusal to properly deal with abuse on that platform or on Twitter um, and the refusal to accept that the ways that his social media site has been manipulated by foreign governments to sway elections and things. His sort of hands-off approach of like, I'm independent and, and I'm not really responsible for this. I just made a service and I disrupted society permanently, but it's not really my fault. Uh, you know, uh, I think that his... You're not buying that. I I am buying that. I'm just not satisfied with it. I think he genuinely believes that it's not really his responsibility, but I'm saying that's bullshit and that it is his responsibility. And he needs to take responsibility for the way in which he's fucked up society in a few different ways. So you would, you would argue that, um, that Facebook ought to, uh, scrap content, uh, deep fakes if they are uh, likely to be coming from a source that is uh, trying to actively slander someone or actively harm someone, if so, if some if something's if it, if a fake has been made, that's kind of Steve Buscemi on uh, on Jennifer Lawrence is like that. That's that's all good because it's not actively trying to yeah. uh, make someone look bad yeah. who is like running for office who has a yeah. vested interest in. But then, yeah. So when does when does what if Jennifer Lawrence is like, hey, I don't want people to think that I have really fucked up eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, the the genie's out of the bottle now. So there's no way that you can say no one's allowed to make deep fakes, um, and there are some sort of incidentally amusing ways in which it can be used for a non-negative purpose. But so much of it is uh, potentially risky that I would I wouldn't go so far as to say they should never allow deep fakes. But for instance, um, like Reddit has banned all um, like celebrity impersonation deep fakes and um, removed all pornographic deep fakes and this that and the other. So um, there are platforms which have taken stances already on this i think my main argument here in this context and and this is not really the deep fake issue currently um but just generally speaking to sort of follow through on what we're talking about with zuck a moment ago is i think ultimately what needs to happen is there needs to be better government regulation of facebook in america where it's based but i suppose also every country where it exists can um can pass laws mandating what they do um but in, in order to maintain certain expectations about um, privacy, maintain certain expectations about the kind of content which is put on the um, feeds of others and then I suppose a degree of responsiveness so that if there is a question of political um, uh, 
uh, like fakery or, or propaganda or something sneaking through that um, it can be dealt with at a, in a timely fashion in order to sort of stop it from running away. It's uh, it's it's really kind of re- reflective of how technology at this point now where it's getting to we're getting to that exponential well we've already probably passed it that exponential moment after we've made the leap to digital and to the internet where it's exploding that this deep fake this deep fakery is reflective of how technology is now just slipping away from us too quickly and we as a society are not we when it's we we don't know how to keep up with it we don't know how to keep our ethics up with it and it's going to get worse because because it, it's going to be other weird shit that's going to come up that we can't even think of now and it's going to create other ethical dilemmas that the apes that we are aren't equipped to deal with we don't know how we don't we need like years of processing time to work out what's good and and what's good for us and what's like actually okay and how much freedom we are going to allow we are going to going to allow individuals and it's scary man because it's it's going to get it's going to we're going to lose control of it well and the thing is as well that um the the modus operandi of a lot of these tech companies is get out there, push something out, break it, and then fix it. You know, um, it's move fast, don't dawdle, don't think about the consequences. Get it out there, capitalize on an opportunity, iterate, 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 just do it. Um, and the the implications of that are basically don't think through what could happen. <laughs> so many so many of the um, decisions of the tech industry are. Uh, don't worry about it. We're just doing a thing, and again, yeah. it's not you know, it's not our fault. Effectively, yeah. we we um, we're just pre- we're just creating a platform, and what people do with it is yeah. is not our responsibility. So, I suppose part of it is a little bit of that that hangover of whether it's like the the dot com boom or the Silicon Valley kind of VC culture currently, which is got a certain kind of mentality to it which is one somewhat devoid of ethical consideration or or broader cultural impact um and part of that process going forward might have to be you know almost education based like think about the idea that you're coming up with what is the absolute worst thing that could happen here how could someone use this and what (laughs) what are we willing to take on as a risk if we believe this is yeah um what's going to happen um the so you know everyone everyone knows uber uber went um crazy big and um and uh just went public uh, a couple of weeks ago weirdly um after years of sort of private funding and and taking in whole heaps of um investment in order to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger but basically um i don't know if you've seen any of this but a lot of the assessments about uber are basic uh, 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 declaring it effectively uh, doomed, like a broken company with no revenue model um, that is been here destined, that for ages. Yeah, it's destined to fall over because the fundamentals of the economy of their 
their, their business are uh, uh, based on uh, just completely shaky ground. Uh, without getting too deep into the weeds of it all, but the, the idea of uh, taxis um, and taxi licenses came about because in in uh, olden days, early days of cars, uh, I think the example I was reading about was in New York, um, uh, there was a huge flood of cabs and then that meant that um, with so many potential um, uh, drivers, the cost of everything went um, way down because of competition and then no one was making any money. And um, so it was all right for consumers for a while, but then (laughs) the economy basically crashed because none of the drivers could keep doing it because they weren't making any money. Um, And so the way that they solved that problem was by setting a hard limit on how many cabs you can have in a city. So I think in New York, they have something called um, cab tokens. And I'm pretty sure in um, London, they have like uh, cab licenses or something similar. But it's the same basic idea that there's an artificial scarcity of people with the license to drive a cab. And that means that they could find a, a, a fair economical balance where there's a limit to how many cabs there are in town. So uh, everyone gets a certain amount of work and then they can charge a certain amount of money because no one else is, is it like the, the competition is at a, a sort of a nice equilibrium, which is why cabs are more expensive than Uber, right? Um, so yeah. catching a cab was always going to cost you like 30 bucks something, right? Uber basically yeah. came in and they said, hey, um, drive, you know, how often you want, wherever you want. Um, our, we're going to pay 15% to our drivers. Um, all of the costs are going to be, uh, oh, sorry, other way around. We're going to take 15% fees. Um, and so all the costs are going to be really low and there'll be a ton of people around. But what that's effectively done is ruin the economy <laughs> for um, people in, in the transportation industry. So there's a bunch of people around. Um, then Uber's not making any money. So um, after a few years of getting people hooked onto the service, they've got drivers which are not being paid enough um, and don't have any support as like a member of a union and don't have um, any employment benefits because they're seen as freelancers. Um, and uh, so now they're going to be upping the prices so that they can make more money, which means that the drivers get less of a take because Uber's taking more of the cut and the uh, passengers are going to be charged more because the cost is higher. Um, so all so of a they sudden... they use it less. So they use it less and then there's fewer people coming around. So people are getting less rides and they're making less money off it. Effectively, it's all this like rolling scam. Not scam, I should say, but like it's a long con where where there was never any money in it to be made. Um, and Uber has lost hundreds of million dollars a year for the past eight years or something like that. It's, it's massively in the red. Um, and so what's all going to happen is uh, it's going to crumble again and eventually we'll end up <laughs> paying the same amount that we used to for transport because it was an unsustainable business model. And all of that ramble is me giving another example of, of 
a company basically jumping into a marketplace saying, we've got a really good piece of technology here. We've got a way that we can track cars. The user experience of this piece of technology is going to be so much better than catching a cab because you get to feel reliable about the driver that you're going to have. You're going to know where it is. You're going to be able to send that information. It's You don't have to pay at the end. It's all so much better. But the <laughs> ramifications of that choice to enter the transportation marketplace um, <laughs> has been this long, long strain on existing um, taxi drivers who do have a degree of economic and um, uh, uh, like job security. Um, and uh, the business model is not going to last because they're not... Um, the business model for Uber is not going to last. So in the meantime, all they've done is basically clog up the streets, give people an artificially um, false view of the cheapness of transportation. And in a few years, it's it's going to fall over again until someone comes in and says, hey, we've got the technology, but you're going to have to pay the cost of a cab, not the cost of an Uber. Uh, so could that have been predicted? Um. Before I answer that question, I'm just going to say, if you're curious about the taxi thing, I've, I'll have i put it as the link of this chapter on the podcast. So if you want to read that thing, just open up your phone and, and press that link. You can get to it. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that there are people in the taxi industry which looked at the Uber model and said, there's no way they can make that last. Yeah, I wouldn't trust those guys. But like <laughs> with, with, like, with, with this, with this, what we were talking about earlier about uh, wanting to think broadly about like what you said, what is the worst case scenario uh, or ramifications for this particular service or whatever we're doing technology wise? What is the worst case scenario? Let's try and brainstorm uh, on what this is. Well, that's well, part of part of the beauty of technology is that it tries new things and it grows quickly. And will that hinder growth? Like, regulation or um you know will that stagnate creativity i think that there are hundreds of years worth of technological innovation that was not computer-based and there were you know degrees of (laughs) regulation all the way along and we still managed to get from yeah the stone age to the steel age um so when it came to factories and people were making machines for the first time, there's a whole bunch of people losing limbs and dying in horrible ways. And then eventually someone came in and said, hey, maybe make a machine which doesn't have that arm cutting device at the end, which you can just lean on and lose an arm. And I'm sure there were some grumbles about, oh, it's going to be so much harder to cut off arms if we've got to put this shield on the arm cutting device. And eventually... Which it was. They, which it was, but... Fewer people lost arms Massive accidentally. Um, yeah. And we still managed to progress as a society. So I don't I don't So think... you're saying we need to actively slow the rate of growth of technology? I think I think so. If that's the outcome of someone stopping to think what's the implication of what we're doing. I mean, I look before you leap is basically all I'm asking or expecting people to do. If you're going to introduce something into the marketplace, just take a fucking second and think what's going to happen. What could, what are we, what is the thought we haven't had? What is the consideration we haven't made? How does this affect say minorities versus, um, you know, my internal user, uh, like my mental user, which I picture as a 
white man age 20, what happens if a um, 40-year-old black woman gets on this? You know, just just have a, a process in which you're considering the implications because I don't think it's right to go out there blindly and throw something if the consequences are going to be <laughs> disruption to literally the nature of reality itself. If, if you're, if you're now yeah. facing down the barrel of, I don't know if the true thing is true anymore. I don't know if my eyes are telling the truth. If that's the implication of your choice and you haven't stopped to think about it along the way, then yes, slow down technology. <laughs> You you would think, especially when it comes to big corporations like Uber and Facebook, that they'd have a vested interest in uh, trying to predict the, the outcome of or negative consequences of their actions as well. I'm sure that there are departments within those bodies which are, you know, um, threat prevention or, you know, um, PR prevention. Uh, so that there will be people that planning against negative outcomes but i don't think necessarily that they are a formative part of the product team maybe that's unfair yeah, but if, they probably but if are their people. product or service tanks if it tanks as a result of it if people start you stop using it i mean that they they want people to keep using their product if their product stops being used because it gets a bad reputation the shit Exactly. That's why they're disincentivized to think about the consequences. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that I don't think that that... Do you use Uber? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I, not co- not regularly because I have a car in Christchurch and I'm not in different places. But if I was in Adelaide, I'd, I'd been catching Ubers and stuff. But I will admit that I... And you're not constantly getting pissed. <laughs> no. Um, I just get pissed at home. Um, the... Uh, I do and try drive and use like a um, badass. I do try and use there's one over here called Zoomy, which is a, a Kiwi one, um Kiwi startup and I believe it pays drivers a bit better, so I have favoured that for that purpose of not really liking Uber as a as a company. Um but I, I think ultimately yeah, that they, they're all facing the same business model problem which is that if you're not charging as much as a a taxi then you're not going to be making money sustainably (laughs) you are quite a conscious consumer in certain areas do you remember when do you remember have you eaten at pasta go go since the uh (laughs) infamous Uh, facebook video you know i think i have i think i actually had pasta go go (laughs) um over Christmas, maybe, but yeah, no, effectively pretty commendable though. Yeah, effectively, yeah. Since eight eight years ago, maybe ten nine years ago, um, yeah, kind of stopped. <laughs> so you, you'll you'll just not you'll just not um, put your money into a corporation if you don't agree with the plot. I commend that. Thank you. I I mean, but. That's true in the areas that I pay attention. I mean, I I have a Nike top. I'm pretty yeah. sure that Nike is you one of the pay, worst yeah. um, in terms of uh, potential child labor in the supply chain, and and you know using chemical processes that probably contribute a lot to global warming. If I was more on it, I would probably pay more attention to what I was, you know, wearing and that sort of thing. But Look, the thing that I'm realizing in in my old age, Nick, is that you the only way you could properly live 
ethically 100% is to live on an island by yourself. Well. And then even then you'd still have to be a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, which would suck. Uh, no, actually, hey, hold on. I reckon if you're living on an island by yourself, eat the pigs. You can totally eat a pig. If you're on an island and you killed that pig yourself, is that ethical? I think that's ethical. Mm. You, if you did it yourself, the, if you the, killed the, the, the animal, the most eth- the most ethical way to live is to not live, that's because so just deep. by living, you're you're just having you're a, having an impact. Having a well, this was yeah, the um, an impact on your. Surroundings. Have you watched The Good Place? Yeah, this was the uh, the big argument of. Um, uh, what was his name? Dave or something. Season three. Um, they went to the guy who had the highest score based on the um, the the point oh, system. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, Michael McKean was uh, living in a hut and like he ran over a snail which he needed to take somewhere and he was absolutely miserable <laughs> because it didn't matter the fact that he was doing theoretically everything. Doug Fawcett was his name. Doug. Um, it didn't matter that he was doing literally everything he could ethically, considering every possible implication of every behavior that he had. Uh, A, it didn't cause happiness, which was kind of the main thread of that. Um, uh, But B, it didn't get him into heaven either because there were so many implications. And the the moral um, takeaway, I believe, that that Mike Schur and and, um, the writers were talking about globally in that season was the idea that modern life is inherently ethically problematic. The the the, the further yeah. down the timeline we go, the more implications, the further all of our products have traveled, the the more people we're able to touch and impact. Um, and so the uh, unforeseeable, unknowable effects of our choices ripple out so much further than a surf in the 1600s who um, <laughs> clubs a fox with a rock. You know, it, yeah, it is by our nature um, impossible not to make yeah. negative choices every single day that negatively affect the world. So, by 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 that token, is it unethical to create life to have kids who are just going to further <laughs> contribute to the demise of the planet? And also, does the planet care? Nope planet doesn't care as an entity itself but um i mean that's a somewhat nihilistic point of view life Uh, is life is i I was thinking this the other day life is so hard (laughs) i don't mean just like i don't mean just like physically day to day uh just because of like whatever like whatever bullshit yeah i mean like if if if, it was, if there was a god creating life, like, he made it so hard. He made it so hard to, like, go to go to suffer through like pain, to like to like go through grief and shit, to like f- to search out happiness. I mean, I'm not this. I'm not super depressed, by the way. I'm just like I had this thought that like life is actually really fucking tough. Yeah. Like just to just to. Just to just be in it. Like, like life is great. Life has, like, really nice moments. But if this was a game, like, fuck. Yes. Like, like, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot, man. Yeah. And, and the consequences are pretty, If there was a god, like... his mate, I, I would say, 
Yeah, the consequences are so big. Like the idea that um, the uh, <laughs> like isn't it isn't it wild that like if I really tried, not even if I really tried, like if I just actively wanted to, I could say something to a family member and permanently like <laughs> estrange them from my life. Like the consequences yeah. of your choices yeah. are insane, right? <laughs> yeah. Like at yeah. any point, you could just drive, um, th- drive the uh, uh, like your car slightly into a different lane and like graze someone yeah. else, and yeah, then you've like <laughs> ruined someone else's life. It is crazy. I know it's such a such a fragile, delicate system that's in place. Yeah, easily fucked with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really. Yeah, I was thinking the uh, this. Uh, I'm gonna create, I'm gonna have a new segment. It's gonna be like Carl's Carl Pilkington's diary, okay. and I'm just gonna try and I'm gonna kind of try and capture every like weird thought I have, and write them down and bring them here. But here's another weird thought that that I had, that like why we why we like the uh, the amount of value that we give to words. So if I go to a bar and I say I'll have a beer. And I'm saying those words in English. I'll have one lag, one pint of lager, please. And then he pours, or she, or they, pour the lager, and they give it to me. And they say that they they did that because I I requested that with the English words. But then if I just said, "What's that for?" and they said, "You asked for a pint of lager," and I said, "With with words, like with what?" <laughs> They said with words, and I was like, "Well, well, what are words? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so you, sorry, your point. Right, that was more. It was more advanced. Yeah, that was that was high level um, Zabrecki's thinking. I mean, I didn't even understand that to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I kind of. Yeah, it it's hard to verbal. I get what you're kind of coming at, which is that the fact that we have this mechanism for yeah, interaction. My words just made him do something. Yeah, I just said something, and then it caused him to change his behavior. Yeah, but like, it seems not enough. I feel like if it's like he's like, well, now you have to pay for this pint of lager. If I just denied it, I'd be like, well, where's the evidence? Here's another thing. Why are we still using signatures? Signatures are so weird. <laughs> it's like, sign for this. Sign this. If you sign this, if you do the, if you do a squiggly line, that's it. That's it. You're locked in. <laughs> what? I can just do anything. I'm not even, half the time I'm But that's like, the whole point. My last that's, signature that's the wild so thing about it. I can make it consistent. It, it, the wild thing about it is that at some point in your life, you're told you need to make up a signature. You you you're the only you just <laughs> you're the one who just makes it up. And yeah. So hey, it's, hey, um, we got something really uh, important, and I need you to say that you've looked at it. Oh, I've looked at it. No, no, no. I need you to say that I've looked at it um, <laughs> yeah. on the page. I can write. I've looked at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but but who? how do we know who said I looked at it? Uh, we need to know it's you. 
Well, <laughs> I can write <laughs> <Yeah>. my name. <laughs> no. Eh, have you got something a little bit more artsy? Do it. <laughs> yeah, but do it with your own unique flair. Do it. Put a little bit of flair on it. <laughs> do you, write your name, a... but do it like you would do it. <laughs> That's just like, no, I've written it in my handwriting. No, 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 no. But like, do it, do it pretty. How would you do it? How? You... You're so right. If you if if you had to write your name, how'd you do it? Imagine if your 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 signature was just like, and it could be just like the, like a Nazi symbol. Just like that's my signature <laughs> on everything. Deal with it. <laughs> Poor postman. Platinum <laughs> visa with a swastika on the back. Hey, you got this? Yeah. Uh, can you sign for this package from ASOS? Yep. Swastika. Uh, okay. Can I please get a different book? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. What did you get delivered? Um, the Before we get too rapidly off track, um, how do we want to uh, just cap this deep fake thing? Because it's if you had to set some degree of regulation on it, where would you, where would you tell people this is allowed, this is not allowed? Where would you... Do you think that um, Facebook... I think we both agree that Facebook doesn't have a duty to augment people's statements on their Facebook page. Uh, I think they arguably ought to de-emphasize untrustworthy news sources which are shared between people in favor of more trustworthy news sources. Don't put the shitty ones in front of as many eyes. That's an algorithmic thing, even if they're not correcting it actively. Um, but where, A, do you think that they uh, hold some responsibility and B, where would you draw the line as to what they should and shouldn't do when it comes to holding the truth? I think that if it's on a, it needs to be done on a case-by-case basis. I think the best answer I got... Sorry to cut you off straight away, but do you think case-by-case basis by humans? Do you think this is something that humans need to look at or do you think it's something that an automated system can interrupt and and assess? Imagine if it was the AI who determined whether the AI created was good enough. It's completely out of our hands. Uh, no, it needs to be done by but humans. But I mean, that's honestly what's happening when it comes to something like pornography. Most pornography is automatically flagged on Facebook. That's not humans that are saying, that's a dick get that out of there it's it's i think this is um, something where intent is really important and if it's i think but intent is also something really hard to pinpoint which is why it makes this so tricky i think if you can if you can can if you can properly locate someone's intent with um a deep fake if we're using that as an example and if you can in all likelihood say this is coming from a source that is seeking to harm uh properly harm someone not just ingest then i think yeah then i think maybe facebook uh has a duty to intervene but i'm i'm also like wary like obviously we're not hoping to solve this issue because i'm just some stupid idiot that doesn't actually know anything about this but I think I would be wary then of the slippery slope 
where a, a ent- like a business entity or a corporation's politics might start to creep in. That's my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's um quite reasonably said. I mean, the 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 thing about a corporation is that its politics theoretically are comprised of multiple people. So hopefully there is some degree of uh, impartiality or balance because the people that are comprising that corporation have different viewpoints. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the other, like, there's a couple of little grace notes here that I might just throw on because it is such a deep topic. Maybe if there's a lot more of it, um, we'll get back to it another we're not time. But... Deep, we're not called uh, shallow thought, are we, Nick? No. Smooth. Um, the There's two sort of little bits of... Um, info here one there was a great article i believe on the verge um, a few months ago about facebook's um uh like filter team who are at the front line of uh going through the flagged content that gets uploaded to facebook manually deciding whether or not it's appropriate or not appropriate and how it is basically psychological torture (laughs) There are thousands of people in uh, outsourced to third party who sit in an office and they just literally see the worst of humanity at all times. They see murders, they see child pornography, they see, uh, you know, war crimes, they see everything um, because you talked the about worst this last app. You talked about this yeah. last app. Uh, also, yeah. And I thought this when you said it. Those people are, like, sure, it's a tough job, but those people are entering into that job knowing what they're doing. They are. Um, I, I, I'll let you read the article, but the, the criticism about it is because it's outsourced by Facebook, they don't get any of the um, uh, level of uh, salary, they don't get any of the protections, they are sort of strapped to their chair and they don't get... Like, they're seeing fucked up shit and they don't get basically any psychological help or counselling. Um, they don't get um, scheduled breaks to get away from it. Um, it, it. It's 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 a seriously fucked up situation. Um, I'll I'll put that in the links over this um, little topic here as well, so you can click it if you want. It's um it's a big read, but it's a good read, um, and worth hearing what it's like on the ground floor to be staring at that stuff and having to make decisions as to whether something's appropriate or not and and the policies that Facebook has in place for that kind of content moderation. It's it's pretty scary and yeah. pretty crazy. It'd be, um, it'd be interesting AF. It is so interesting AF. Um, and then the second little nugget here, um, which is relevant, is uh, how the, um, the most recent election, um, like the Australian election, was subject to its own kind of um, misinformation Facebook kind of scandal in the way that Brexit and the 2016 US elections had their share of disseminated false information. Um, How? The Australian one did. Um, there was uh, uh, false posts about Labor's secret death tax um, with like photos of the Grim Reaper coming to uh, uh, take away all of the... Uh, uh, it uh, like when you die, the government is going to take fifty percent of all your assets, um, which is just like a false lie. But it was shared around um, Facebook and, and amongst certain communities, um, uh, in particular. I think they said, I think they said it was in 
Chinese communities, then maybe that was the WeChat version of it. But anyway, um, they were basically, the Labour campaign had spotted this false information getting out there and gone to um, Facebook to try and get them to take some action and to prevent it from getting out there. Um, but it uh, were completely unable to reach Facebook. <laughs> like, even though they're the head of, like, the opposition party of a country, um, uh, Facebook basically didn't pay any attention to it um, and didn't stop any of the um, the stuff getting shared around. Um, so there's a, there's a nice read there in The Guardian, which I'll also put in a, a bit of a, a bibliography of... Um, does that link thing, you know that thing that you do with the link, does that only work in the Overcast app or does it work in the... It'll work in any modern podcast player. I think the um, the podcasts, Apple Podcast app may not support it, but if you're in Pocket Cast or Overcast or um, any of the sort of the well-maintained third-party apps, yeah. it'll, it'll be there. Download um, download Overcast, people. Nick told me to Overcast download is, it a couple of months ago, and it's so much better, my dudes. So much better. Yeah, if download you're an iPhone Overcast. user, grab Overcast. It's really great. Um, if you're an Android user, I'm assuming you're already using a third party like Pocket Casts, which is also very neat. Or a dick. Um, or a dick. Um, but yeah, uh, gosh, very interesting. Um very, very interesting reality that we're stepping into now with um, this social media stuff, and certainly something that we're going to be talking about again. Dude, you know those, you know those beanies that guys wear that like sag a little bit. You know, there's like, wait, no. Please, <laughs> please, that time we've got one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah don't go on that. what were you gonna say no nah, dude everyone i just put on i just put on my really cool beanie, beanie which everyone loves no everyone loves this beanie dude. which i wear all the time what is the benefit of that beanie tell me what's the, be- it's what the same is the benefit as any of other the beanie. saggy beanie huh it's the same as any beanie. it keeps your head warm except you look like a giant douche well maybe that's the look i want to look added perk <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, Every guy that's ever worn one of those has been some kind of douche. I'm saying that now. I was literally looking at myself before thinking, fuck, you look like a douche. <laughs> I like. I was speaking about myself. I look like such a douche. Also, I'm wearing a saggy bag. <laughs> um, never be that douchey. Um, if you've enjoyed this kind of chat, well, um, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm delighted. Uh, I'm, I felt like it was... In- Good luck to you, buddy. I feel, <laughs> I feel sorry for your... Um, situation. No, I'm glad that there is so much uh, juice here on these bones that you can suck out later in a whole bunch of uh, hopefully interesting articles for you to read. Um, and in the meantime, if you're wanting to take a shower, um, jump onto deepfoot.podbean.com and grab yourself one of the many other previous episodes. Um, and you can then engage with us after you're out of the shower. And I suppose wet um on facebook.com forward slash deep fort twitter.com slash deep fort and then uh send your comments and thoughts to deep at gmail.com uh it would be much appreciated i've got i actually just remember that i've actually got heat i've actually captured heaps of those little thoughts already perfect i'm, I'm looking forward to this i'll give you one right now even though i'm giving you 12 
Gimmit. Okay, came up with a nickname for myself. Shoot. The Funk. <laughs> you know that you know, when people talk about the funk, they're generally talking about like a bad smell which is stuck in a room. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone has said. <laughs> when I've pitched it, they've been like, in terms of smell, I'm like, no! I'm like, fucking Bruno Mars, dude. That's that's the funk. Yeah, Bruno no. Mars is the funk. I'm not the funk. You're not the funk. I know I'm not the funk. You're the spunk. Oh. I'm not even the spunk, dude. Like jizz on the ground. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to talk to you about Chernobyl a little bit. Or just... just. Oh, that's a good show. It is a good show. Or you mean just the, sh- the place? Because uh, you told me to watch that. You told me to watch Chernobyl. And I'm so reluctant yeah. to watch anything, especially episodes that last for hour plus. However... None of them last an hour plus. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They're all... They're all about basically an hour. Yes, but they're not over an hour. They're like 50 to 58 minutes. So uh, one of them 61 minutes, a bit. Okay. Um, with the uh, BTS content as well, if you include that. <laughs> um, no one was. Um, <laughs> but Chernobyl is a great show. And it has it, it's, it's a fascinating event. How do you know that? You haven't watched it. Dude, I've watched four, four episodes. Why are you compl- what? Why are you complaining about the length if you watched four of them? I don't understand how you started this conversation being like, oh, are you told me that all look no, watching no, no. more I than was, an hour. No. I was saying that you told me to watch it and I, I just would, it seems like unlike me to try like to start watching a pro like a tv show it's like a that's mini series. that's what that's what yeah. actually that's what actually got you knew me it was into a mini series like, yeah it was an, it was a mini series so it's like yes the episodes are an hour long but there's only like six of them so yeah all good. five there's so five that, of them there was light you've at, only got one to go then i've i've watched one too many of what's one more of something else um, <laughs> Uh, I was I was I was wondering why the last episode starred Kevin James. Crickets. Just insert some crickets there. Um, <laughs> however, okay, so the only one issue, two issues with Chernobyl. One is the accidents. Okay, I get why they did it, kind of, but also. You said it. You didn't. You didn't mind it. For the people who are listening at home, they have cast British actors as Russian characters, and they all speak with British accents. None of them are doing a fake Russian accent. None of them are doing fake accent. I would have much preferred a fake accent, uh, like a a, a Russian. Why? Accent. You said it didn't bother you because I can't like when they when they go. Oh, the reactor five's blown. <laughs> oh, what's happening near Minsk? Reactor five's blown. I fuck. I fucking think it's blown. <laughs> Have you checked the core? The chair, the core's fucking fine. Like that takes me out of it massively. I'm like, okay, how's it's very Soviet England? To what they use, yeah, yeah. But it, if they're, doing, if they're like, still speaking English, but just with a fake Russian accent, how is that any less fake? Because it, because the accent still makes me think I'm there. Okay, 
like I like is English is like an English accent like a new, is meant to be a neutral accent. I know he no, but it's do it. an, I'm just it's like an curious English series for English people to watch. <laughs> I know, I know, but like in if, I think that if someone was doing a bad Russian accent, you would be so distracted by their attempts to uh, uh, Russia it up for like five hours <laughs> that it would have been actively. Uh, detrimental whereas at least yes yes it's false yes no one spoke english and yes they didn't speak english with english accents Um, but at least no one is having to worry about putting on an accent no one is distracted by the delivery of the words except you apparently (laughs) apart from me but also they because it's 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 um soviet ukraine at the time I mean, it's, uh, I feel like the lo- the location and Soviet the Russia isn't it? the Pripyat, Pripyat, uh, but that's that is now what is Ukraine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's northern Ukraine. It's northern Ukraine, but it was yeah. It's interesting, but but that's what I mean. Almost it's all because it's like the the where it is and the time is so integral to the story almost but i mean that's that's also what drew me in because soviet anything is so fascinating but also yeah, yeah so just th- thanks for like getting me onto this show because it's, it's fucking great and the actors are so good i mean also, jared harris is fucking brilliant mm. stellan stars brilliant um emily yeah. watson brilliant it's just it's a it's a rose gallery of amazing actors um and yeah, yeah just some of the like truly horrific like most ter- like it's scarier than like 10 seasons of the walking dead put together you know it's some of the implications when you see like people who don't understand that radiation is happening walking around doing really fucked up horrifying things in exposed like radiation places it's like you're like yeah what are you oh no don't don't touch don't but then also oh and this tied in eerily um, yesterday, seeing John Stewart talk about the firefighters yeah. at nine eleven, and yeah. this, it's the same shit, dude. It's, it's the same, same shit. Thing. It's like it's the same thing happening. It's, it's the it's the head honchos telling people that no, this is not this is not cancerous, or no, your uh, you the symptoms that you're feeling are not related. Um, and then they find out that they are related, and then it's them telling them, oh, well, it's you know. And it was There's the people for the good of the it. company who had, uh, sorry, not the good of the company, the good of the country who had um, run in to stop a disaster, to save people's lives, who had put their own bodies on the risk, uh, on the line and risked everything and then <laughs> are fighting now for some degree of recognition. Yeah, you, that, I hadn't drawn that connection, but that's incredibly accurate. Yeah, it's, um, um, I understood that though. When when the guy was like, spoiler alert. Uh, when the guy was like, um, do we have? Per- we we're asking permission to th- kill three men. Whoa, dude. Yeah, no. Yeah, there's so many moments in that. Like even at the in, I think it's the second episode where they discuss what the implications of the melting and thus explosion of the the uh, core will be. Uh, like the effectively that like a thermonuclear bomb 
and they start to rattle out the numbers the the scale of the impact the countries affected the 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 people that are going to die from it i was like holy shit how did i not know this aspect of it like it made sense yes yes i knew that there was like a meltdown and yes i know that there's an area there which is all contaminated i did not know that it was a bomb that was like hours away from exploding and literally scarring the entirety of the european continent for a thousand years yeah well, 20,000 years before it's going to get back to normal. Yeah. I also love how, like, the re- Ukra- like Soviet Russia or Ukraine, whatever they were, were, like, not trying to let it leak to the surrounding countries, but then Germany and Lithuania like, ah, what's up with our air, Ukraine? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Ukraine, getting some weird readings. Anything you want to tell us? No. <laughs> Why? What do you think? Uh, getting some and very harmful uh, radiation in our skies here. There's see, nothing this is... to do with us. Maybe uh, you should stop making Mercedes Benz. <laughs> um, this is this is one of those body horror things when they tell you that the kids in um, Germany were um, being kept inside and told not to leave their school grounds. But all of the people in Pripyat were just going about their day-to-day life fucking right next to it. It was like, yeah, it's a very, very, very good series. Um, And and easy to recommend. If you want to go watch five hours of existential horror, please watch Chernobyl. And the writer of it, I forget his name. Craig Mazin, yeah. (laughs) Of the Hangover, of the Hangover and Part Two the, and Part Three, Part Two of superhero movie <laughs> yeah. of the Huntsman yeah. of, of the not good Hangovers. Yeah, <laughs> yes. His his past eight films are completely unremarkable, if not subpar. And then all of a sudden, this Amazing. thing, which has to have been like a passion project, he just fucking nails it. It's insane. The dialogue's brilliant. Yeah. The the production quality is insane. The acting is great. Yeah, it it's yeah a testament to perseverance. 